After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is Nicking Pak. He always dreamt of taking a Hawaiian vacation while growing up in London and New York. He finally did when he decided to take a six-month sabbatical here. Those six months led to a year, five years, ten years, and he's still here. He's worked with Melissi Valenti Advertising since 1980 and is now president and CEO with his name included in the company, Melissi Valenti Ingpak. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Nick Ingpak. Welcome to our show, Nick. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. You always dreamt of coming to Hawaii. Why Hawaii? Well, growing up, I was in New York City, London before that, but New York City was since I was 11 years old. And as you can imagine, a big city, it's dull, it's gray, it's crowded, no sunny beaches, no paradise. I watched Hawaii Five O, and then my dad got a job at United Airlines. And with his travel benefits, I was able to use them while he could. He was too busy working. As a student, I would watch Hawaii Five O, and then hop on a plane for $28 a round trip. Every chance I got, and the more I got here, the more I fell in love with the place. So I finished off school, finished off college, finished off grad school, got a job in New York, and uh, worked about a year and a half. And then I decided that before I settled down into a job, I was doing really well there, I better get Hawaii out of my system once and for all. So I figured, well, let's take six months off and see if this little adventure can be fulfilled, taken out of my system. So I came over here with the intention of staying for six months. And as you pointed out, it turned into a year, year and a half, five years, 10 years, and here I am 26 years later. When you initially came and you were staying for six months at a time, were you working or was it just play? Well, I thought it would be playing 80% of the time. I thought working in Hawaii would be a paradise. I would go to work at nine o'clock in the morning, be finished by two o'clock, hit the beach, <laughs> go play tennis in the afternoon, and enjoy the weekends. Little did I know that working in Hawaii is working in Hawaii. There really is a real industry, an advertising industry, which I didn't think there was at the time. And I didn't think there were really uh, companies, marketers like there were in New York. So I figured it was going to be a six-month vacation with just a little bit of work to pay the bills. When you took that six-month vacation, did you know that it was going to be a working vacation or working sabbatical time? I knew it would be a working vacation. I knew it would be, again, but I thought it would be, it would be light work because I figured here I was the hot shot up and rising star in New York. Working in Hawaii would be a breeze. I'd show these guys in Hawaii a thing or two about New York advertising. So when did you make that transition to working for a Hawaii firm? Well, it was a Hawaii firm because uh, when I first got a job, I took a plane over that one summer. I was on vacation. I interviewed with Melissa Valenti, with mm. Frank Valenti, and this was 1980, summer of 1980, and Hawaii was booming then, and luckily for me, the timing was good, and they needed help in certain areas. So he offered me a job on the spot. I went back to New York and 
turned in my resignation and also secured a commitment for a job in six months to when I came back, I came out to Hawaii and started working at Melissa Valenti, which was actually a subsidiary at that point of a New York agency. So I thought I had all the connections made that I could easily step back into the advertising scene in New York. So it was a local company with New York connections, so it was a real no-brainer of a choice for me. What kept you here in Hawaii? Well, when I first got here, I almost didn't stay. I realized I did not have the free time. I thought I would. <laughs> it was work. <laughs> it was 8 o'clock, not 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock starting time till 5, 6, 7 sometimes, and it was hard work. In New York, it was a much bigger company, and I had other departments doing different types of work. In Hawaii, it was a large agency in Hawaii, but small compared to New York standards, and you had to be a jack of all trades. You did everything. And I found myself doing tasks that I was not used to at all. And after about two months or so, I thought, you know, this is not what I intended to do. I'm not out there surfing, playing tennis, doing the things I planned to do when I came out here. So I almost went back to New York after about two or three months, but I had a talk with my supervisor, and he started laying out a plan for me as to what the possibilities were. And I changed assignments and accounts, and actually I started working at First Hawaiian Bank, which turned out to be the most important account at the agency. And that was actually my stepping stone to the rest of my life in Hawaii. Did you bring that account into the company, or was it already there? It was already there, but it turned out that it had the most uh, varied level of activities and the most important connections in this town. And that was what was probably the most important thing for my career. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Howdy sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Today's guest is Nick Ng Pak, President and CEO of Melissi Valenti Ng Pak. What were the differences for you uh, running the business in New York compared to Hawaii? In New York, I had a lot more time to sit in my office and to think. Think about big ideas about what new ideas I could do for a client, new initiatives, new strategies. In Hawaii, I got here, it was all execution. I'd be pumping out a different ad every week. In New York, I'd work on whisk laundry detergent, and we'd do three or four TV commercials annually. And the rest of the year would be just servicing clients, <laughs> taking care of business, calling on them, socializing, um, and thinking. Over here, we'd be doing another ad every week because the difference in markets is New York, the media dollars is expensive. It only goes so far. In Hawaii, media is relatively cheap, actually. Production is a lot 
larger ratio um, of the budget. And because of the size of the market, the kind of market it is too, we do a lot more ads here, produce a lot more ads. Okay. I want to go back a little bit because you did mention that you had a talk with your supervisor who laid out a plan of what was going to be your future like with the company. Did your plan carry out as you folks had planned or you know, was there a right turn and left turn and did you succeed more than you had thought? Well, yes to all those questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, my supervisor basically told me that, well, when I started working at, at the agency, I was working in a department called National Accounts. Back in 1980, we handled various national media accounts like General Motors, um, certain beer accounts that just placed media in Hawaii. There was no production work, there was no creative work. We didn't do commercials and that to me was not really interesting. So we just coordinated media buys, we placed dollars, additional buys. So I was frustrated that I wasn't doing the things I was used to in terms of developing strategies, understanding consumer needs and uh, making them uh, believe and helping shape consumer behavior. So my supervisor asked me if I wanted to switch to First Wine Bank, which was doing a lot of creative development. And that's what I wanted to do. So he planned it out for me. How key was that plan, though, do you feel, in your success? Because a lot of uh, the business leaders that we have interviewed, they do talk about always making a plan. You plan to succeed. Was that key for you to getting to where you are today? To be honest, not in a big way because I guess I have to say I'm one of those who have been very fortunate in life where things have fallen my way and my philosophy in life is just do the right thing um, that famous tagline but it really does work you just do the right thing keep your nose down head in the right direction do the right things treat other people well and uh, they'll take care of you and basically uh, by doing that certain things fell into place where luckily I was in the right place at the right time for certain assignments met certain clients, um, Walter Dodds being one of them, all along the way, just being in the right, right place. So planning, I never expected to be running a company. I never expected to own the company. And it just fell into place where as uh, certain things developed, I, I, I went from assignment to assignment and it just, uh, by fortuitous timing, I was able to get to a certain point of being able to buy the company. Did your original owners have a succession set up for you, or, or it just ended up that you were rising up the ranks and then you ended up purchasing, purchasing well, that, the company? That's an interesting story right there, because uh, they had a succession plan for me because I was doing well and I was identified as future leadership. However, uh, the company was owned by a New York company at the time, and they had different ideas because at that time I was in my early 30s, and they just looked at me and thought, this kid's just too young to even consider as a future leader. So at the time, they never believed uh, Frank Valenti or Ray Melissi that I was in line to be in succession. They had their own plans made for somebody from New York to come out and run the company. What happened was, uh, I think in 1992, unexpectedly, Frank Valenti, who was a CEO, passed away. And at the time, he was trying to position me to take over, but because of his unexpected death, it never happened. What happened was they sent in somebody from New York to try to run the company, but what happened was all the relationships that had been built before that locally, and my networking and my taking care of certain clients here, they came and supported me and said, no, Nick's the one. And long story short, after all that happened, they finally understood that 
they had to have somebody in place who was part of the community, who understood the community, and who could take it forward. What do you feel is key about building those relationships? Because it looks like they backed you up in a big way. Yeah. So what, what do you think are the most important factors to building that type of relationship with your key clients so that you know, you'll have that type of uh, loyalty? Well, we're in a service business. And two, two things to rule. Number one is results. You've got to deliver results to make people happy. But number two, results being a given, is the relationship. Um, becoming friends with your clients over time, a strong bond is built, and clients lead to other clients, especially in this town. Here in Hawaii, we hardly pitch any new business because it's all by word of mouth. So what happened during that era was, uh, that period, was we had people like Walter Dodds. We just stepped forward and came, uh, went to bat for me, and uh, next thing you know, we ran things locally. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with Monster so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Today's guest is Nick Ng Pak, President and CEO of Melissi Valenti Ng Pak. Before Melissi and Valenti had got you involved in these fundraisers and these organizations, you know, five to six years while you were with the company you mentioned, did you have community in mind giving back and being involved in these organizations before that? Not really. As a young kid growing up and getting into the business, at first all you're concerned about is paycheck to paycheck, paying the rent and taking care of certain things, and your social life. <laughs> <laughs> After a while, you get past and you say, you know what, I think I belong here. And so I think, you know what, I like living here. And you know what, I think I can make a difference here because there's certain elements of need in this community, whether it's homelessness or kids or whatever. And you start understanding that, you know, in the advertising business, you do have an opportunity. Even though you're not hugely wealthy, there's certain things you can do, volunteering time and effort in your certain category of advertising that can make a difference for clients. Before uh, we had this discussion over here, we were chatting kind of in the back. I saw you were actually fundraising for the March of Dimes back there. And then you just recently came back from a trip from Hong Kong. Why, after you know, all these years, are you still doing that type of, of work? Why are you still spending your time doing that when your business and your family needs are so strong as well? Well... I'm pretty lucky because I'm able to combine a lot of these things. I do a lot of traveling now because of several industry things, but I also do a lot of travel now because of uh, certain of our clients are on the same trips that we go to. And I can actually do two things at the same time, simultaneously. They're at the same conference as I am, whether it's in Japan or whatever. And I go to the same conferences and we spend three, four days together 
and we'll tag on a couple of days and maybe do a little exploration and see if any business opportunities in Hong Kong or Bangkok or wherever else. And that's a great time to also explore, discover, and also bond. So that I can do with a few extra days that's already required. With the fundraising thing, just coming back, it's a couple of phone calls. And these days, phone calls can make from anywhere. And there's a couple of committee meetings here and there. But I really am fortunate because a lot of things I can combine. Between, I, sometimes on a business trip, I'll take the family along. That's the, the best of all worlds. It's a great opportunity for me to, to uh, do new things with my family, with the kids, and have them maybe get exposed to what I do, too. So it doesn't happen all the time, but several times a year, it, it is a great opportunity for me. Did you see a, I guess, a kickstart, or a, were you able to get ahead more in your career when you started getting involved in these organizations hands-on? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things is to get involved. When, when you get involved in, in these community organizations, you meet people who are leaders in the community already, and they're there for a reason. They want to lead. They care about the community. And if I get into this organization or some cause that I meet somebody, because we have a shared interest, a shared passion, that sharing of interest and passion becomes a friendship and a bond. And there's nothing more powerful than that when you're working together to do something good. You did mention that you know, when you were growing up and you were younger, you said in your 30s, you were thinking, you know, I'm going to wait, make all the money in the world for us, and then eventually maybe give back to the community. Do you still have that thought, or could you help encourage the younger to get involved now while they are trying to grow up the ladder? Oh, absolutely. Well, that. first of all, I never expected to make all the money in the world. My, uh, my goals weren't that high. Mine was to like, just be comfortable. The fact is, uh, you know, the priority was really enjoying a certain type of life where um, you could be, uh, I guess in the beginning, back in my 20s when I first came over, it was again, paycheck to paycheck and... and varying having, levels of comfort yes. though, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I call it all the right. money in the world. Oh, exactly. <laughs> all the money that we need anyway. But, you know, from that, as you start, as you get into your career, you start understanding that the connections, it's not how smart you are. It's about how you can do the right things and connect with the right people at the right time. Now, the people that I've met along the way at the same level and at higher levels have been enormously important to my career. Now, the people that were, that were at much higher level than I was when I started up, like Walter Dodds, for example, it's unbelievable what he's done for my career in terms of shepherded, godfathered, you know, whatever, mentored, in terms of not business, but in terms of life, in terms of doing the right things. You see what he's done in, in the community. You just look at, okay, you know what? He's made all the right connections. He does the right things for the right reasons. Now, if I do the right things, the peer group I started off with, you know, we grew up together. Now I can get on the phone and call, you know, somebody else, uh, whether it's Warren Haruki or whoever, and ask to see if they can help me do something. Can I help them do something? Now, whether it's social, or community or business, it's all one now. It's the same phone call. The mentors are still there. As you mentioned, we're transitioning now, but they're, you know, this next, next generation has to happen too. But with the younger folks, I would encourage them, absolutely, from day one, to start networking and doing something you care about. It doesn't have to be doing something just for the heck of doing something for business purposes. Don't do that. Don't do, some, do something just because I can make a sale. That's not a good reason to do it. Get involved because you care about something. And if you care about something and somebody else cares about something, 
it's a much stronger connection than trying to make a sale to somebody and, you know, let me try to get beside that person to make a sale. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time Neptunites, sunshine in your mouth Neptunites, For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business Contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 Or online at bubbletea.com Neptunites, sunshine in your mouth how do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Today's guest is Nick Ng Pak, President and CEO of Melissi Valenti Ng Pak. What are some key things or tips or lessons that Melissi or Valenti had taught you before you started running the business? Well, Frank, uh, Ray Melissi, um, his key thing was relationships. He said, relationships are all that matters. That in a, in, this is a service business. You make friends with your clients, and um, the results are important, but they also forgive a lot of mistakes. And they let you take risks in doing certain things, too. Frank Valenti wore a suit, jacket and tie, to work every day of his life, and he lived in Hawaii. He was a former sportscaster for KGMB. <laughs> and uh, he was a well-known, highly respected man, but uh, he had the highest integrity, too where he always just do the right thing. In fact, we'd have client, uh, uh, financial issues and so on. He would always bend over backwards and do it in favor of the clients. We had a dictate from our parent company who told us uh, when it, about cash flow management to stretch out payments to the vendors. So what would happen was a client would pay us um, money on, say, the 1st of January and the vendor would do work for us in December. Our parent company says, no, for cash flow, no, you have, you don't have to pay in 30 days, stretch it up to 60 days, because that's the norm. You know, keep the money in our account rather than theirs. Frank Lane says, there is no way I'm gonna do that. If we have the money, we're paid, we are paying the vendors too, because they are more in need of cash than we are. I just remember the biggest fight happened because he disagreed with the corporate mandate to take advantage of cash flow and, and um, stretch out these small vendors. Um, ultimately, they forced it on him, but I remember like, he just went to bat. It was an integrity issue. We have the money, we'll pay them. Nothing about cash flow and making a few extra dollars. And the relationships mattered. You know, to this day, what we've done with the media is we have made sure that we have taken care 
of, of them, all the other vendors, whenever we can. And they have supported us in good times and bad. You told us a little bit story about Mr. Valenti and, you know, having integrity being most of the important thing for him. What had been one of the biggest challenges for you that you had to always keep integrity in mind to solve that problem, to solve a problem? Well, luckily, luckily for me, I, I guess working in, at Melissa Valenti for so long and the way he ran it, uh, he protected us from that. There were almost never any issues of integrity. The only issues, again, we had was the fights he had with corporate in terms of trying to keep their policies, doing certain things their way, and just doing things the right way, whether it was small town you know, type uh, doing the right thing. But uh, one thing he did, he, he took care of us. He protected us from having to make hard decisions. He had certain policies written in that were hard and fast, that we, did, we followed the rules, we did everything by the book. Um, so there wasn't any bending of the rules. What, for you personally, have you had to work on the most in order to become who you are today? Probably public speaking. Again, I'm one of those who, at, at the beginning of my career, would be freezing or stammering or stuttering if I was asked to get up in front of a room full of people, not even a large room, say a group of 10, 15 people, and have to talk about something. You'd start getting nervous and want to just sit down. But again, it's all practice. And Frank Valenti, what he would do was he'd force us, the young AEs, uh, once every week or two to stand up. No choice about it. You have to stand up. You can't sit and give your talk. Stand up and present to the rest of the group the basics of your account, what's going on, and update everyone. And it takes a while for you to start uh, getting comfortable in front of a room. And again, most important thing is knowing your material. And even for those who are the most, I guess, uh, most introverted, if you can memorize something and you can just read most of it, oh, I'm not read it, but uh, remember most of it, you're well prepared. Preparation is the other thing. If you're unprepared and you can wing it, hey, you're great. <laughs> if you're unprepared and you can't wing it, you're going to be looking like a fool out there. And that's what we do when we do have some presentations for new business or some client presentations. We always try to rehearse everything out, make sure everyone's comfortable with what they say so they seem confident. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.